Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Hello, 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 and good evening, listeners. Uh, you are very welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. My name is Paul Rowley. And I'm Virginia Vitzdoom. Unbelievably, it's Women's March time again. Uh, and this year feels a little more urgent. For one, he's now impeached, with the Senate trial possibly starting sometime between now and January 18th. That's the date women march in D.C., in New York, and elsewhere around the world. Plus, it's an election year, and dare we dream, we not only get the destructive baby monster out, maybe we even flip the Senate. Tonight, we'll talk about how the Senate is refusing to reauthorize the Violence Against Women Act because NRA, and also about Elizabeth Warren's plan for gun safety. She's in Brooklyn tonight, and radio gagger Sarah Germaine Lilly will be calling in from her rally. But first, the latest gun violence prevention news. There were three mass shootings in the first 24 hours of 2020. Seven people were shot during a dispute at a bar in West Virginia. Four people were shot at a party in Cleveland, and four people were shot, three fate fatally in St. Louis. Additionally, many people were shot by New Year's Eve revelers firing bullets into the air, including in Houston, Philip Ashford, 61, a psychiatric nurse, was watching a fireworks display from her driveway when she was struck and killed by a bullet that fell from the sky. On Sunday, a man with an extensive arrest history and an involuntary hospitalisation for psychiatric treatment opened fire with a shotgun at West Freeway Church of Christ in White Settlement, Texas, killing two members of the volunteer security team before he was shot by another security guard. Video footage shows a half dozen congregants also drawing their personal handguns during the incident, which was over in six seconds. A state law enacted in response to the 2017 Sutherland Springs Church Massacre allows licensed concealed carriers to bring their own guns into houses of worship. Texas, which has some of the loosest gun laws in the country, records more than 3,000 firearm fatalities per year. As has been shown again and again, loose gun laws leads to higher gun deaths year after year, making shootouts in churches now a regular occurrence. Meanwhile, in Milwaukee, two children were shot by a motorist on Saturday after the driver's car was hit by a snowball. A group of kids was tossing snowballs around at passing vehicles. One of the snowballs hit a white Toyota. The driver allegedly fired shots randomly at the group of kids and hit two, a 12-year-old girl and a 13-year-old boy, both who luckily survived their injuries. <sighs> Exercising his Second Amendment rights. A gunmaker got $39 million in taxpayer money to relocate to rural Georgia to entice a Brazilian firearm manufacturer to set up a factory in the town Bainbridge, Georgia. Local go governments pitched in $20 million for construction, $8 million for tax credits, $4.5 million of infrastructure work, $4.3 million in property tax abatements, and $3 million for equipment, Bloomberg Business reports. The move will yield 300 jobs for the small town, the gunmaker said. The cost tax to taxpayers comes out to more than $130,000 per job. The cost to lives yet to be counted. And to end on some good news, 
states have passed over 130 gun safety laws since the Parkland shooting in February 2018. Some of the most prominent gun safety measures that states embraced in 2019 were efforts to fund community violence reduction programs. These evidence-driven initiatives deploy community representatives to intervene in and interrupt cycles of gun violence. Red flag laws are another approach states have looked to as a tool for reducing gun violence. These measures empower law enforcement officers to confiscate a gun owner's weapon if it is believed the weapon will be used to perpetrate harm. The flurry of legislative activity was bolstered by state-level elections across the country in 2018, which in many cases swept in new Democratic majorities on the promise of pursuing gun measures. Seventy of the bills identified in the Giffords Law Center's report cleared various state legislatures in 2019 alone, and they provide a window into how states are combating gun violence as an urgent public health issue in the absence of leadership at the federal level. And here in our in memoriam is one example of how this absence of leadership on the federal level is costing lives. Thanks, Virginia. Now, as many of your listeners know, we every week we have an in memoriam, which uh, where we pay honour to a life lost to gun violence, and which reminds us um, here at Gays Against Guns and across the country why we are doing this work. This week we honour Christina Franklin. Travis Spittler was a violent man. He had a domestic protective order filed against him and an open domestic violence case in Arizona. He should never have had a gun in his hand. In fact, he was officially barred by law from owning one. But in a country with over 360 million guns and no federal background checks in place, he easily found a way around this restriction. Spittler got in touch with a private seller and lied about his background. Now this abuser was the owner of an illegal firearm. Spittler's ex, Christina Franklin, was a 27-year-old nurse. Reports show she and Spittler were arguing in their Las Vegas apartment where they lived with their two children before she had to barricade herself into the bathroom. Spittler fought his way in, knocked Christina down and kicked her in the head until she lost consciousness. Spittler was charged with felony bodily injury, yet was granted bail. Two days before the shooting... A judge denied a request to revoke Spittler's bail. A restraining order was also granted, but that did not stop him. Thursday morning, as Christina walked her kids to daycare, Spittler gunned her down in the street. She died in front of her three-year-old daughter and her four-year-old son, who were also injured by the gunfire that killed their mother. Spittler then fatally shot himself in the head. Spittler would have failed a background check. But H.R. 8, the Bipartisan Background Checks Bill, passed in the House almost a year ago, which would have saved Christina's life, has been sitting on Massacre Mitch McConnell's desk, and he refuses to bring it to the Senate floor. In his refusal to act on gun safety legislation that has been proven again and again to save lives, McConnell is an accessory to murder. Allowing guns to fall into the hands of abusers makes McConnell himself an abuser another tool in the vicious cycle of violence and death inflicted on American women by armed men. With almost 40,000 gun deaths in the USA last year, how many women would still be alive if federal background checks had become law? Rest in power, Christina. Say her name. Remember the injustice that ended her life. Come out against gun violence. 
Say your name indeed, Christina Franklin. Um, and that in memoriam really leads into um, the special report on the Violence Against Women Act. It's back in the news again, thanks to the NRA. But first, a little background. The bill was first passed in 1994. Joe Biden reminds us frequently he was one of its sponsors. The law provided federal funds for services for survivors of domestic and sexual violence and for training law enforcement officers to better handle sexual and domestic violence. It also beefed up penalties for certain crimes, including requiring rapists to pay restitution to their victims. None of this had been codified in federal law before. It's important, an important bill. It's been reauthorized and expanded over the years with different changes each time. Funding for the bill ran out in December 2018, while the government was closed. Remember that shutdown, when Trump was trying to force Congress to fund his wall? The physical wall will never happen, but the policy wall has been going up brick by mean-spirited brick over the last three long years, and there, too, this administration is hurting women. One of the countless cruelties was then Attorney General Jeff Sessions' declaration that domestic violence was no longer grounds for asylum. Go back and let your abuser kill you is now U.S. policy. It's so inhuman, and it's basically condemning women to death, um, when I'm not on air here in Radio Gag, I'm a documentary filmmaker, and I made a film 10 years ago now with the community of asylum seekers in Ireland. And listening to these stories from women who had fled domestic violence haunts me to this day. I'll just give you a couple of examples. One woman's family beat her until she managed to escape because she refused to marry a local chief and become what was called his stool wife, that meaning that she would be a wife to his stool, to his chair. Another woman fled her home country, leaving everything behind except for the last one of her four kids that had survived the violence she was forced to live through. And, you know, even though these stories are from the other side of the world, we know that they're also the stories of many American women. Right. And the Violence Against Women Act was, as I said, you know, a good attempt to um, uh, address some of this. So the House reauthorized the Violence Against Women Act this past April with bipartisan support. New additions this time included added protections for women on tribal lands and for transgender women. But the most controversial new provision, the one that's stalling it in the Senate, is closing the so-called boyfriend loophole, which we've talked about a lot on this show. Under current federal law, People who've been convicted of domestic violence against a spouse or ex-spouse or co-parent or partner they've lived with can't buy a gun. The new provision expands that out to include dating partners and stalkers. It also lowers the criminal threshold to bar someone from buying a gun from felony convictions to include misdemeanor convictions of domestic abuse or stalking. All stuff very much proven to, uh, to save women's lives because abusive people in dating relationships pose just as much of a threat to their partners as, abuse, as abusers in marital relationships. And as far as the presence of a gun goes, Paul, I remember this chilling piece you did um, on a previous show about how a gun um, can control a victim even if it's never used. Right, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's what's called coercive control. Um, it's this horrific, insidious use of guns against partners. Um, men, generally, 
um, leave their guns locked and loaded around the house, on the kitchen table, in the bedroom, places that they know their partners will see them daily. So you come down for a breakfast in the morning and there's the gun sitting on the kitchen table. And it's designed to be a blunt and brutal reminder to you to stay in your place, don't fight back, you know, don't leave me or, or, or I will kill you. Then there's cases where men, men have beaten their partners up so badly that the women end up in hospital. And then these guys show up in hospital with a loaded gun to terrorize the women even further. You know, and you know, people say, oh, what, there was, should, it must have been a restraining order. But, you know, restraining orders aren't worth a thing. They're just a flimsy piece of paper and that's not going to stop a bullet. But yet the NRA and the gun lobby refuse to see any connection between gun ownership and gender violence. Yep. Christina Franklin had a restraining order. That's um, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, with the uh, Violence Against Women Act, all the NRA saw was fewer gun sales. So they swooped in during deliberations to push lawmakers to vote against it. NRA spokeswoman Jennifer Baker said to NPR back in April, quote, the gun control lobby and anti-gun politicians are intentionally politicizing the Violence Against Women Act as a smokescreen to push their gun control agenda. House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer pointed out, the presence of a gun in a domestic violence situation increases the risk, hear me, increases the risk of homicide by 500%. Here's more on the lethal combination of domestic violence and guns. Women in the United States are 21 times more likely to be murdered with guns than women in other high-income countries. Domestic partners or relatives commit 43% of workplace homicides against women. And in more than half of mass shootings over the past decade, the killer shot a current or former intimate partner or family member as part of the rampage definite connection between mass shooters and domestic violence. But I guess all those lives lost are, as the NRA says, a smokescreen, and any desire to protect more women from being killed is politics in the Orwellian cruelty of the NRA worldview. Right, and as usual in the United States, race plays a huge part in this violence with African-American women currently twice as likely to be victims of domestic violence as white women. Nearly a million women alive today in the US report being shot at or shot by their intimate partner and almost 5 million women alive today report that an intimate partner threatened them using a gun. And that's just the reports. Right. So um, to wrap up with the Violence Against Women Act, uh, Dianne Feinstein led all 47 Democratic senators to introduce in the Senate basically the same bill as the House passed. Republican Senator Joni Ernst had worked on the bill with her, but peeled off and wrote her own bill without the gun provisions, seemingly under NRA pressure. Well, Joni Ernst is up for re-election. Good women of Iowa, rise up. Yes. <laughs> you okay. know, because if you're going to put your NRA affiliations before the health and safety of American women, you have no right to represent them. Yes. And um, speaking of elections, yes, Elizabeth Warren is in Brooklyn tonight. And we'll be hearing uh, very soon from Sarah, who's going to call from there as she waits for the candidates to speak. Meanwhile, we're going to tell you a little bit about Warren's gun violence plan, which she released back in August. Over the next few months, we at Radio Gag will highlight different Democratic candidates' gun plans to help you make a more informed choice at the polls. Warren's plan is quite extensive, and we can't cover all of it, but we'll start with the proposals that are unique to her. You know, she is the anti-corruption candidate, 
and her sweeping anti-corruption reforms would cut into the NRA's ability to block gun safety laws. All lobbyists are going to be limited, including the NRA. She calls for a system that would require a license to own a gun just like a car. She proposes raising taxes on guns and ammunition to 30% on guns and 50% on ammunition. Other proposals include a one-week waiting period to buy a gun. Very sensible. It's kind of hard to believe there isn't that already. A federal law to crack down on unauthorized gun sales, like at gun shows and stuff. Nobody can buy more than one gun a month, and you must be 18 to buy a gun. I also did not know that children could buy guns. Um, An assault weapon ban, banning high-capacity ammunition magazines, prohibiting anyone convicted of a hate crime, sadly relevant here in New York now, from owning a gun, close the boyfriend loophole, allow survivors of gun violence to sue gun manufacturers, hold gun industry CEOs personally responsible for gun deaths. And, of course, she's she's the research candidate to funding research and grant programs that diminish gun violence. Her whole platform was published on Medium, and you can read it there, uh, which I encourage you to do. As I said, we'll be bringing you other candidates' gun plans in upcoming shows. And now here's Sarah uh, live from the beautiful King's Theater in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Sarah? Hi. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Uh, well, I kind of wish I was at the beautiful King's Theater because it is gorgeous. But I'm on a line. I'm on a line oh. that is more than five blocks long. I'm currently Whoa. in front of the Sears Roebuck with a bunch of other people. It's just started to rain. Oh, and uh, they're giving us – I've been here for about a half an hour. We have some other members who are inside. But um, – yeah, it's an immensely popular event, and we're hoping to get in. The King's Theater seats over 3,000 people, So, um, and there's a lot of people out here on the street. I've, I've seen at least 1,000 people online. Are they uh, talking? Yeah. Were you able to talk to anybody about um, uh, gun violence as, as one of um, Warren's, or if that's yeah. an issue they vote on? Well, I did talk to one person, yeah, and he said basically that if um, – if a candidate was pro-Second Amendment, he would definitely not vote for them. But there are so many other issues uh, to vote for. And I think people have their particular issues. His was health care. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, yeah, I, I think people are not as informed about the, um, about the gun violence message as they need to be. And uh, I think that that was one of the things that you brought up just now. I learned so much from going to the website and looking at the platform, uh, many Americans assume that only people over 18 or 18 or over can buy weapons. Um, We assume that if there's a mass uh, purchase of weapons, that it's reported to the police. It's not. You know, so our safety is very much in jeopardy, and it's no surprise that we're in the position that we're in. Right. Well, thank you for being out there in the rain. I hope you get in. And thanks for uh, talking to the people um, about their candidate. Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting now over the next couple of months, you know, with Iowa only a month away. Yeah. And, you know, I actually was really encouraged by the, the March for Our Lives students brought all the Democratic candidates together to speak about their positions on on gun reform, you know, which is First, yes, you know, yeah, and that's I think one of the things we can be really thankful for here at Radio Gag is that the message is getting out. You know, mm-hmm. people are paying attention 
to gun violence and it is on the ballot, which is wonderful. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, which will lead us into the Women's March. So we're um, going to say goodbye to you now, Sarah. All right, Sarah, have a great evening. We hope you get in. (laughs) Thanks so much. So you are listening to Radio Gag on listener-sponsored commercial-free radio, WBAI. We're here every Tuesday evening at 6.30, bringing you the latest in gun violence prevention news. Um, Oh, as in uh, past years, uh, Gag will be participating in the upcoming women's marches, as mentioned before, in both New York and D.C. on Saturday, January 18th. And we'll just tell you a little bit about those marches. In D.C., um, the march has three main focuses, which are reproductive rights, immigration, and climate change. But um, there will also definitely be an emphasis on gun violence, which is particularly relevant as so many women are killed by guns year after year. Among the most vulnerable groups is transgender women, who would also get additional protections if the Senate would ever pass the Violence Against Women Act. Yeah. And then for people who want to get down to D.C., um, GAG will be running a bus uh, from the LGBTQ Centre, leaving bright and early and coming back the same day. And, of course, our fabulous uh, singing quartet, Sing Out Louise, will be going down as well to regale the good people of the nation's capital with their... uh, their political, satirical songs. Um, Meanwhile, in New York, there's going to be two Women's March events um, that we know of so far. Um, And many GAG members will be appearing in both. Um, We'll be marching in the Columbus Circle March, which is organised by the Women's March Alliance. And then the second event is organised by the National Women's March, and that will be a rally at Foley Square. So pretty much the same as it was in New York last year, folks. Um, We'll be at both. Um, If you want to get involved, uh, you can go to our Facebook page, uh, that's Gays Against Guns NY, which has info on both events. Our, our always useful gag sign up at gmail.com email address is a good way to get in touch. If you ever want to get involved, gag sign up at gmail.com. And we'd also like to alert you to something coming up right before that, that same week, the Friday of that Women's March weekend, which is a screening of the new documentary after Parkland um, about uh, uh, gun. GVP strides since the uh, shooting in February 2018. That screening is on Friday, January 17th at 7 p.m. at the Park Slope United Methodist Church. The church is at the corner of 6th Ave and 8th Street in Park Slope. Special guests? Look at that. Gays against guns. (laughs) We're everywhere. Yes. And... um, and if you actually want to meet some of us in person, um, as we know some of our listeners have done, just um, all are welcome to come to our meetings, which are every other Thursday at 7 o'clock in the LGBTQ Centre in Manhattan. Um, our next meeting is January 16th, when we'll be planning for the Women's March. And we also have a really big action coming up, Valentine's Day, um, in D.C. with uh, Manny and Patricia Oliver, the parents of Joaquin Oliver, who lost his life in Parkland, uh, and their organisation, Change the Ref. Um, which will be marking two years since the Parkland Massacre and a year since H.R. 8 was passed in the House. Yes, and another great way to get involved with us and with this great radio station is to become a WBAI buddy. A BAI buddy is someone who keeps our unique volunteer-run radio show going by giving a small donation every month. 
And it really is just a modest monthly contribution that can really help keep us on air here at WBAI to bring you this live show every week. Go to WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 and become a BAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Thank you. So we're almost out of time here, folks. As usual, everything goes so fast here on live radio. Um, we are going to finish out the show with our hell yes. I, I want to do a shout out to this amazing group of women who are down in D.C. since yesterday and are going to be protesting at the Hart Senate building every day until Trump is removed from office. More information on them on... Uh, well, they're Swarm the Senate. Swarm the Senate. And, and uh, Remove Trump. Remove 45. Remove 45.org. So hell um, yeah. Hell yeah. And also hell yeah to our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in every week to us. Yes. Um, and hell yeah to WBAI for just being uh, just a great community radio um, station here so in New York. We are so proud and fortunate and happy to be part of So thanks for listening, folks. We're back next Tuesday. And every Tuesday, you can catch us after the show on all major podcast platforms or on the BAI radio station. And we are going to sound things out, as we always do with our fabulous political singing quartet, Sing at Louise. This song is for all the ladies who march. Special guest vocals by the fabulous Janice Dickinson. Here's to the ladies who march. I'd like to propose a toast. Here's to the ladies who march Everybody should Holding up their placards at Washington's arch Looking fucking good They will persist no sign of quitting Watch out, you rats They will resist They keep on knitting Pink pussy hats I'll drink to that And here's to all isn't he a gas? Tweeting out his lies as he squats on the john. What a f***ing ass.